Do not cross the line. Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Joining us today here is the man who puts the bonk into bonk meter, Jeb Wrench. Hello, everyone. The woman who puts the leer into leery fog beast, Fox Lee. And the other fox run by a fat Aussie slacker. <laughs> and I'm the boy who puts the berry into Tonberry, Talon Lee. Hey, Jeb, what video games have you been playing lately? I have mostly been playing Dark Souls, actually. Yeah? I'm a little late on the train, but uh, it's not so much fun, but people I know, friends of mine, really like that I'm playing Dark Souls, and that's making it a lot more entertaining for me. A lot of people really seem to be interested in the uh, the adventures of Crotch Knight. Oh, so that's what that is. I thought that was just you and a Second Life thing. It's kind of the same thing. It's all about fashion more than anything else. This is, um, I think Matt Lees did the No Pants Man run of Dark Souls, which was explicitly about running around with literally no clothes on and winning Dark Souls like that. Well, there is uh, an armor you can get early on, a, a leg armor, which is fairly decent, which is just shin guards. So it really accentuates the thong that all char- all Dark Souls characters wear. It's uh, like the Final Fantasy XIV fashion trend of the subligar. <sighs> Fuck that thing. Yeah, Fox is not a fan of subligar shorts. I, in fact, didn't wear them. I mean, they give them to you at a certain level, and I was just like, no, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to bleed more. I will not wear the armor booty shorts. It's not happening. <laughs> I do appreciate that they give the booty shorts to both male and female characters in FF14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but they look awful on both. Yeah. They look terrible. They're also a horrible color. <laughs> Remember that some of us want to wear booty shorts. Not necessarily me. The us is meant to be... They're not good-looking booty shorts, though. I can appreciate characters being able to wear what they want to wear. They're not very nice-looking. Final Fantasy XIV booty shorts. We tackle the hard issues here on the downloadable content podcast. Especially if your character is sort of dirty blonde hair color. Oh. Oh, no. Especially if it's long hair. Does it reach that low? No, I doubt that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I remember in City of Heroes, people used to work with all the skin tones they could possibly get in the vague hopes of looking naked if you didn't look very closely. Oh, yeah, like you got a bunch of green characters because you couldn't make your clothing skin colored, but you could make your skin clothing colored almost. Almost. This is probably why they never gave us color sliders, isn't it? That's probably why, yeah. That's probably... Oh, fuck. This is why we can't have nice things. That and the engine for City of Heroes is older than both of my nephews put together. You don't have a lot of nephew. That's true. That is very true. So Dark Souls. Um, with Dark Souls, one thing I've very much seen with the game is that there is a, it's got a communal aspect that you don't normally see in most, for lack of a better word, single player games. Uh, you're referring to the, the, the <coughs> guidance system with the, the messages? Specifically, what I'm talking about is not so much the in-game interface stuff, but talking about it. Um, I don't remember if it was the... I can't remember the developer's name. It's not Hibiki. It's Miyazaki. They, they, have a, they have a developer named Miyazaki who spoke about how it was important to make it so that the player wouldn't be able to fix or solve everything early on, and they would have to talk to one another about the things they found while they were exploring. I suppose... I was just thinking that might have been the case when it first launched, but yeah. now I'm I'm four late four years late to the party. There's there's nothing 
there's nothing hidden anymore, so to speak. Saying that this is how you're going to find out how to do shit, and that's intentional, rather than, you know, people are going to write FAQs for this, so the challenge will kind of wane. Yeah. But then again, um, as a game, Dark Souls is, is heavily execution-based at last check. I'm not really sure, because I've never had a encounter in it that I really felt that my skills were... Uh, to be were re- re- being rewarded so much as just blind luck. Okay. <laughs> Especially with the bosses, since uh, they give you uh, NPC summons. Which t- the two of the uh, the bosses I fought so far, I summoned summoned NPCs for, and they did all the work, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> One that I didn't summon. I did actually summon a player as well. One of the bosses that I didn't summon anyone for. I just mashed buttons and I won. I've got to love how skill-based and challenging this game sounds like at the moment. He's really dissing on this whole Dark Souls is punishingly hard thing. <laughs> you got to remember, Jeb here is one of the world experts in Bad Rats. Bad Rats is a better game than Dark Souls, I've said it. <gasps> shots fired! Hashtag oh. shots fired. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast because there's not going to be a second one. <laughs> So what about you? There Fox? is going to be mysterious circumstances occasioning the death of two Australian game enthusiasts. <laughs> people who get worked up about people saying things they disagree with about video games on the internet are stupid. That I will definitely... Fucking stupid. <laughs> what about you, Fox? What video games have you been playing lately? Well, you know, speaking of Subligar and Haircut. That's a terrible breach. I was going to bring it up earlier and be like, haha, it only took me five minutes to derail this podcast into Fire Emblem discussion. <laughs> Uh, the new Fire Emblem has uh, bunny people, and there seems to be an ongoing debate over whether the fur depicted in their costumes is pubic hair or clothing. Why would you have that discussion? Yeah, it's obviously pubes. What? Why? What? It's really obvious. What? What? How? How is that the ob... Help me out here. How is it the obvious choice to go, oh, well, that's definitely pubes? <laughs> because I have looked at them. Oh, God. <laughs> It's not ambiguous. Fire Emblem, gay overtones and pubic hair. <laughs> well, yes, gay overtones. I am on my third and fourth playthroughs of Fire Emblem Awakening because I decided that straight relationships were boring, so I'm playing a pair of cross-dressing avatars. <laughs> so you're adopting the kid? Yeah, pretty much. It worked very well because uh, with my cross-dressing female character, I married Cordelia. And I'm allowed to spoil Fire Emblem Awakening, right? The statute of limitations is passed on that shit. The game came out like 2012, didn't it? 2013. I'm not totally sure about that. Man. More than a year or so ago. Anyway, her kid is the bitchy Tsundere one. So it, it kind of works really well with, you're not my real dad! <laughs> well, technically... And that, then you get this undertone of how the whole story is about the family you choose rather than the family that, you know, just happened to be... There, there's, there's subtextual levels all going on on there. It's kind of cool, actually, because the Avatar also can't have a character... Uh, can't have a child of the same gender as them. They have a child character key to them, but that child changes sex depending on what they are. So I wound up with a four-woman family in the game, which you just can't do. But it, it's really kind of cool. Like, the implications are nice. I like it. This is... The implications being kill all men. (laughs) (laughs) I like men. Well, I like some men. (laughs) There could be a cull. (laughs) It's like deer in Florida. I don't think kill some men would work as a hashtag. (laughs) Kill some men. Any men. Just (laughs) just, just kill some men. Just kill some men. 
To be fair, that strategy always worked for me playing video games. <laughs> that's good to say that is kind of the the video the games promote violence against fair. men. 90% of video game protagonists deaths are of men. When will this misandry end? <laughs> that hurts. The misandry will never stop as long as Dallas still exists in in Valkyria Chronicles. Oh. Uh. <laughs> she is wonderful. <laughs> uh, I totally <laughs> forgot about her. Foxy's been playing Fire Emblem. You've been playing Dark Souls. We are hip to the current trends in gaming. (laughs) I think at this point, this means that I'm the one who's played the most recent video game. And you've been playing, what, Ocarina of Time? (laughs) No, I've actually been playing Thief. Uh, Thiforif. Thiforif. Yes. Which... Um, hmm, how to, how to describe? There's gonna have to be a long form article. That's, that's not how I would have described it, but, um. It worked. Thank you for that input there, Fox. Um. That is the long form article. <laughs> oh, oh, I can do long form. <laughs> Yes, boy. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't need a song. We don't need a soundboard. We have Fox. Yeah, we thought I forgot about that. Yeah, we're gonna have a little origami trophy that we can give someone for, for, for making someone else lose it on record. <laughs> no, uh, I've been playing the fourth Thief game, the recent remake that came out in February 2014, uh, and I bought it in December 2014 for seven dollars fifty. What the purchase price? Which is, which is, uh, must be an outstanding discount for being in Australia. That is kind of an amazing discount. I actually checked at EB Games this past week what a, what a secondhand copy of Thief would run me and it was $45. Now it's- Secondhand is kind of a crapshoot though. Yeah. It wasn't being given shelf space. You, you know how it is. With, <laughs> with gaming stores in, here in Australia, they're generally smaller. And yeah, shelf space for PC games tends to be occupied very heavily. Oh, yeah, the PC version. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you tend to get a very heavy wall of... I am weirded out by the number of physical boxes for games that I know are, like, downloadable first and foremost. Who the fuck pays extra to get a little box on their copy of Minecraft? Braid! A physical box copy of Braid! That surprised me. Yeah, and, uh... Oh, fuck, what was it? Journey? I know I've seen Journey. Yeah, I've seen Journey. Um, that wasn't what I was thinking of, though. Of shelf space and boxes. Are you familiar with Indie Box? Um, actually, no. I've heard about it. I've heard that there's... I, I believe uh, Sabriel has mentioned getting Indie Box, like, collector's box sets of indie games. Is that it? Uh, well, to my understanding, it is just a, a box you can stick on your shelf... I don't actually know if they include copies of the game. I would hope so, but... That's kind of cool. Well, so far they have... Well, so far they have boxes for... Well, they're sold out of Tesla Grad and Escape Goat 2. <laughs> Escape Goat 2 is a fantastic game. Captain has. They, they have a selection of very high-quality games. Uh, Love Trousers was September... So it, it really is just a piece of, of shelf space. 
that you can subscribe US- to and get mailed to you. Hang on, handpick any games with custom USB game cartridge, old school manual. Okay, they do have the they do have that already. That is so badass. So they make feelies for games that never had them to start with. Oh my goodness, how did I not know about this thing? Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. This is beautiful. I just wonder how Brutal Legend has one. Is that indie? It was it published com- by Electronic Arts. Yeah. It was, it was published by Electronic Arts. It has Tim Schafer and Jack Black involved. What what possible feely could they put in that? <laughs> well, Jack Black, I guess. I wasn't expecting that to be a question at the end of that. Also, you've got to remember you're pronouncing it wrong. It's brutal legend. <clears throat> Respect the umlaut. Uh, probably includes some of Lemmy's hair. <laughs> <laughs> You, you get a hair mystery box, and it might have some of Jack Black's beard, some of Jack Black's you know, hair, some of his chest hair, some of Tim Schafer's beard. That's the that's the you know gold package ultra rare. I'm sorry, I've gone. I on. have nothing to contribute to this. <laughs> Things we should not be saying. I think the logical answer would be more like decals for your guitar hero uh, guitar, for example. We were talking about Thief Four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just to give you an idea of how incredibly important and impressive this game was and how much of an impact it had, uh, it, we just managed to derail ourselves into talking about cardboard boxes. I believe the feature of it that we spoke about was its price. That's true. Honestly. So that's your review. The most interesting thing about Thief 4 is its price. Actually, no. In, in a very literal way, the most interesting thing about Thief 4 is its prices change. It was a $90 release here in February, and it dropped down to $7.50 by the end of December. That it is still $40 here on the Xbox One. Yeah, but still, dropping from $90 marquee title down to even $40 is a really remarkable price. I want to see what the console version was like, because PC prices always drop quicker than console prices. Probably, yeah. I mean, you Definitely, get- yeah. You get some weird cases like that stick in my memory, like a- Aliens Colonial Marines. That is obviously an outlier. Yes, it is definitely an outlier. But, like, PC games are always going to have to contest with Steam. As for the game itself, it's... Fo- Fox has been able to hear the plot and the character, and that's largely why Fox's opinion is so negative. Hmm. Here's my review of Thief 4. We're going to kill this woman, so we'll do everything in our power to make her wrong and hateable. <laughs> I I don't get why they tried to make a dad narrative around Garrett, of all characters. You could have done that well, though. You know, you could do the whole embittered dad figure who doesn't really want this, but has trust upon him, and maybe he has a tiny little place in his withered heart for some kind of affection. But that's not what they did. I don't really have any personality at all from what I can gather. What was that, Jeb? Wasn't that The Last of Us, though? That had zombies. No, The Last of Us was... Well, I mean, okay, he was an embittered dad figure, but he was more desperate to be a dad figure dad figure as well. It's on the different dad spectrum. Yeah. I mean, the reason he was bitter about being a dad again is because of how it went the first time. Whereas Garrett wouldn't have that baggage. Presumably, I don't know, I'm told what Garrett used to be like. The Garrett I experienced in this game is... 
I don't know who that's supposed to be. I'm not sure it's a person. It's just a, it's a bunch of one-liners. Not good one-liners, just just crappy one-liners. Okay, to finish... So it's a game starring me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're likable and personality-filled. Yes, you're full of personality. And you tilt slightly. You can hear all the personality slosh against the sides. Personality slosh. <laughs> you sure doesn't rattle. <laughs> The, to, to just finish up the discussion of Thief itself, it's a lot of broken bits. Thief is very highly polished, very thoughtfully constructed individual pieces that when brought together form this really incoherent, jangly whole. I can definitely understand why this game has the, the spectrum of review scores it does. Because there are some people who are going to fixate on a particular thing that the game does well, and they're going to love it, and all the other stuff is just immaterial crap to them. And then there are going to be people like me who take a more of a big picture kind of thing, or focus on things that the game isn't doing well. And you can see all the seams. It's a clockwork made of cheese. This game is deeply flawed, but in a very interesting way. Okay, but uh, just clarify for me, because I've not actually been playing the game, I've just been spectating... Is there a character to Garrett that I'm missing? Like, is there, independently of the character you saw in the previous games, is there something you can tell me about him that, that gives me a grip on his character? From what I've seen, he comes across as the lead singer to an early 2000s new metal band. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's a much better slam than I was going to say, which is he wants to be Aiden Pierce. Ooh! See, Ow. Those are both pretty sick birds. <laughs> See, okay, original Garrett, I use the term least of all dickheads. Garrett in the original games was very much a grubby, unpleasant kind of dude, but he was always being surrounded by and having to deal with people who were way more obnoxious and more unreliable and more dangerous. So it was almost this Indiana Jones-like, well, I'm stuck with this kind of situation. It's kind of fun, right? It was kind of fun. I mean, and he was kind of fun. Like, he, he had a sense of humor, even if it was an asshole sense of humor. Yeah, and he was he was a bit of an embittered loser, but he wasn't trying to be cool about that. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's much more generic, macho, perfect thief kind of character. Which, again, another one of these jangly bits where the game doesn't work is you're meant to be this perfect ultimate thief, and what you're doing is rummaging through strangers' drawers for inkwells and scissors and individual forks, which well, has a... silverware is where all the jangling has come from. Well, that, that might be that. That's a very good point. But it still creates this we very different. That would be an interesting thief game. Where you actually you start accruing weight and noise the more shit you take. Well, that was one of the reasons why in the first Thief game, the argument was that's why you can't pick up every single thing that looks shiny. You have to pick up the gold bars and the bottles of wine, but you can't make out with everything. That makes sense. Which isn't how the uh, the default, which isn't how this game feels. Anyway, that said, this brings us on to our first segment, which is inspired by Thief. We're going to do a planning meeting for a revitalization of an existing video game franchise, and we're trying to find the worst dad. We're going to do what they did with Thief. We're going to take an existing character from an earlier franchise, bring him back up, and say, this is the character who will be the centerpiece of our dad narrative, and we want to find the worst character you could do that to. Oh, 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 pick me, pick me. <laughs> you got anything in there first, Jeb? Well, I 
was just going to throw out Wario. <laughs> I'm going for something similar. It's going to seem quite derivative now. But no, follow me. There's a character we've known for a very long time who already has commitment issues. He already doesn't like being tied down. He's already kind of abrasive, even to the people who follow him around and idolize oh him. I'm just saying Sonic the Dad Hog. <laughs> <laughs> Soon as you said that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> See, I thought I was gonna go. For, I thought I had the Trump in this particular discussion, and that I was gonna say Leisure Suit Larry. But... <laughs> no, I could absolutely oh. see Leisure Suit Larry rebooted as a dad. Yeah, as a yes. very gross dad. In the dadification games, the child figure is always a girl. Like, it, it's always, it's practically never Not always, stuff. but yeah, you are right. It's really common. I'm sure there are sons here and there. I can't think of any of them. Yoshi's Island. Yoshi is not a dad figure, Talon. You take that back. That's a whole, that's a whole succession of dads. That is multi-dads. You don't even know Yoshi's a guy. It takes there a very... There lots of Yoshis. And all of them make eggs. I defy you to pin down a sex on a Yoshi. <laughs> Don't, let's not use that bit word for word. Sexing a Yoshi, the latest <laughs> Nintendo DS game. Oh, so Sexing a Yoshi is the first episode title, right? Yes, the first episode is going to be Sexing a Yoshi. <laughs> I understand it was the Japanese who first perfected sexing chickens. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause, and you do this by turning them upside down and squeezing them. They kind of already knew because that's how they sex parrots as well. But you know they sort of have more time for it when you're in a pet store going, oh, I kind of want to go. What other what other birds can we sex? Not cassowaries. <laughs> fuck you up. Then you could go to New Zealand and you get mowed down. Um, <laughs> oh no! We're not going to give that much credit to the kiwis. <laughs> No, they'd be a rear hassle. Oh! No, sorry, sorry, no. I, this this podcast I'm is sorry, not my terrible. This, this podcast is not going to become about <laughs> terrible megafauna of the Southern Hemisphere puns. That would be a no, great this, podcast. Well, megafauna pod- of the Southern Hemisphere would be a great podcast. This podcast is for the birds. <laughs> well, our production values are quite... Offspring fling! <laughs> I like how you cut off the pun. That was a pun? I was saying our production values are quite cheap. Oh. Uh. Wow, I wonder why I felt the need to get in the way of that. By the way, as far as Wario as a dad goes, look, I think if we can all agree that Wario is a libertarian, and now we fade out. No, You're uh. saying Wario would buy a child. <laughs> Wario would steal a child. Let's be honest. Wario has never purchased any of his money ever. This is kind of getting back to what I was going to say, because what I was going to say was Leisure Suit Larry, the, the the child figure in the dad game is basically always a girl. And that would be really fucking weird. I could see a Leisure Suit Larry game where it's like, ah, I've raised my child in the ways of porn and lose them. But, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't really work for a girl child, at least not with the kind of mindset you get in a Leisure Suit Larry game. Wario, on the other hand, raising his ferocious capitalist empress daughter? I could see that. I am actually honest. sounds fantastic. Yes! No, 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 no. Bear with me here. I'm now seeing a Leisure Suit Larry dadification game where he has raised his child in what he thinks is the best general moral values he has, and he thinks, you know, well, 
I've got a daughter, I've raised, you know, the way that I expect women to behave, and it turns out that she has, in fact, templated off him, and she is now this roving, bisexual uh, uh, <laughs> hunter of experiences and whatnot who <coughs> terrifies the living shit out of him. <laughs> I thought we were going for worst possible datification. Yeah, this, this actually works out all right. Let me get a pen. You see, you're going, from the, going, for the wor- going for the worst way that, a le- that Leisure Suit Larry as a dad game could work is that he is desperately trying to protect his little girl from, oh, from, from the horror him, of, from uh, the, the people like him. Stuff. Yeah, he'll fight. The whole game is about you. You realize what you look like. To other- <laughs> it's the whole I was a feminist and I wasn't a feminist until I had a daughter sort of thing. Yeah. That is the worst way to datify Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah, and then, and then at the very end of the story, he's like, well, I wasn't a feminist until I became a dad. And then he stands there in front of other feminists and sort of, you know, give me a cookie. And then he's like, what the f- you, you f- what? That doesn't work, you dick. Does this sound like the worst datification of Leisure Suit Larry? It also sounds like the most Leisure Suit Larry of Leisure Suit Larry datification. What is it's, wrong with us? It's like peak Leisure Suit Larry. To talk about Sonic the Dad, I think that speaks for itself. And it, are you sure he's not already Tails' dad? Uh, well, uh, now hold on a second, uh, because it is Sega's policy that Sonic that Sonic characters from games cannot get involved in relationships. Is oh. it? Ah. Yes. That's why Sonic's scared of girls and boys. I actually thought it worked contact. quite well for his personality because I, if you read Sonic based on what he does and how he interacts with the people around him rather than the just, you know, basic personality that is prescribed to him. He's kind of interesting because he's like this really, really sad, kind of scared to get attached to anything kind of character who is a massive egomaniac in a way that can only be explained by him having a tiny, tiny, fragile ego. That's not what I thought you were going to go with. (laughs) (laughs) It is Sega's policy. Dude walks around without pants. We'd know. <laughs> oh, God. But what it is Sega's actual policy that the characters in games could not get involved in relationships? That's why in the comics, the the most prominent relationship was between Bunny Rabot and and, and Antoine. <clears throat> oh, because they, they were never actually Sega characters. I see your point. They were never in the games. They were only in the comics and cartoons. So they got married. I'm contractually obligated to not comment on Sonic the Hedgehog comics, so I'm just going to leave this one between you two. I read a lot of those back in the day. Loser. I I have never read any. I only looked at the wiki one time out of boredom. That is a mire. (laughs) It is. It was actually relatively reasonable for the period that I was reading it. When I went back and, and found out what they had done with the continuity since then, it was like, holy fuck. Um, the worst thing they had ever done at the point where I was reading was they had the the evil counterpart alternate universe and occasionally those <laughs> characters came over because they liked drawing Sonic in a biker jacket. <laughs> but that was the most continuity fucked up thing they had done at that point. Now I believe since then they have blown up one of those universes. Sometimes Sally's a robot and sometimes she isn't and there's like a video game universe and there's a non-video game universe and Mega Man was there and- Like, it, it spiraled into some crazy shit, and I'm really glad I was able to let go of that while I was a teenager. <laughs> I, 
guys to realize I was raised on fundamentalist stuff and this sounds so pathetic. <laughs> well, Jesus was never a magical girl. <laughs> that I would read. <laughs> okay. I so know people who would write that. that. Fucking Bible scholar boy. Yeah. Hi, I want to see biblical magical girls, and I want to see them now. Jesus is 12, the, the 12 apostles as magical girls. Or magical boys. <laughs> That's an option, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I can get people writing on this pretty quick. What was that, Jeb? I, I was just saying, I'm pretty sure I can get people writing on this real quick. Yeah, I can just <laughs> mention this to Twitter, and there will suddenly be fan art. But you know, this is gonna be properly done. I wanna, I wanna see the, like, biblical references that you're using to inspire the different character traits and powers and whatnot. You already have written Bible fanfiction, technically speaking. Multiple times. The Bible is fanfiction. Well yes, but he's written deliberate fanfiction of the Bible. Not like pretend fanfiction of the Bible, like the Book of Mormon, but... <gasps> Come on! It's legit! <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> it's really blatant. Actually, come to think of it, Bible video games? This is... this. <laughs> oh, should we Speaking really of Bible. Everybody knows about the reputation of Bible video games. Well, well, this this is just one piece of interesting little ephemeral trivia about video games uh, and Bible video games. Do you remember... You, you mentioned Sega had an official policy that the... That, uh, Sonic, Sonic doesn't get busy. Sonic doesn't get busy, yeah. Um, touch fuzzy, get dizzy kind of stuff. Well, hold on. No, no. It doesn't get involved in relationships. So I'm saying is that, like, oh, uh, in Sonic, o, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic 06, all he did was had sex with the human princess. He didn't actually have a relationship with her. <sighs> that happened, didn't it? Good friends. I realized that fur affinity was canon. <laughs> so, during the life of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Nintendo were pretty draconian about games that they would give chips to, that they could run the carts. Yeah. Like, the proprietary control they had was the sort of thing. They produced the hardware, so if they didn't like your game, you didn't get it. Exactly. And John Carmack of id Software, who, as we know, is a, a very large brain in a jar with a human... He's actually a wizard... I am reasonably certain the man is a wizard. After being told... He was an AI. Well, after being told... Well, you know how... AI who wrote himself. The singularity is real, and it lives in Renton. No. Um, And he's working on the... If Tomac was a singularity, he probably wouldn't mention it. (laughs) Have you read the man's Twitter feed? It's amazing. (laughs) It's like a mark If anybody could work out that I'm the singularity, then they probably deserve it. Otherwise... It it really reads like a Markov bot. I tweeted a whole bunch of them to uh, to Misby and to Caitlin, and they were both like, "Is this actually like?" I can kind of see that that might not be nonsense, but it's such high level, not nonsense. It looks like nonsense. <laughs> that doesn't bode well because Misby and Caitlin are probably the smartest people I know. They're up there, certainly when it comes to computer science. But well, yes, in the specific computer science field, everyone has. Uh, but uh, so Wolfenstein happened because John Carmack was told you can't make that work on a PC, and then he was later told, "Look, it's a it's a good system on the PC, but because of the way you're handling math, you can't do it on a SNES." And then they said you could also never get it put on a SNES because it has Nazis in it. <laughs> and his response to that was, "I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and actually work out the math and see if I can make this thing run on a SNES anyway." 
And he couldn't. Indiana Jones NES game? Uh, yeah. And there were no Nazis in that? No Nazi symbols. No, no, no Nazi symbols. No actual swastikas. Uh, Indiana Jones fought the Schmazis. <laughs> but... Come on, they had, they had Lego versions of, not, of Indiana Jones. I mean... <laughs> I'm not saying he's not a seller. It was the most... They, they, the Indiana Jones franchise managed to get managed to get Nazis pretty watered down. That's true. They're very. They, low. they sort of made Nazis into comedy villains. Yeah. Wait, that already happened in TV shows, didn't it? That happened with Hogan's kind of Heroes. A couple of famous ones. Yeah. I just forgot about them because I didn't watch TV that was that old. But um, so he he was told you can't possibly make this work on a SNES. So being John Carmack, he made it work on a SNES. What made it then? Remarkable is that Nintendo said, look, yeah, it's very technically impressive, but you're shooting Nazis. Take out all references to Nazis and Nazism and also all the blood and also don't show you stabbing a dog and you can put this game on the SNES. I would draw the line at stabbing a dog. Yeah. And Carmack was like, well, I can't be buggered. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And it's art assets that I can't do because I'm basically doing this as an afternoon project whilst I'm developing Doom. I'm doing this while my dinner is cooking. Yeah. So, because he didn't want to do it, he then tried to find someone else who could be bothered to reskin every asset in Wolfenstein and who also didn't want to go through Nintendo. I already heard how the story ends, and it's still no less horrifying. I love he, it. It's beautiful. And he found a Christian game developer that wanted to make a bootleg Noah's Ark FPS, where you play Noah roaming around the ark, throwing nuts at goats to knock them unconscious, and they sit there with a little static, not animated, snoozing Zed over them. That was Wisdom Tree, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Wisdom Tree. That's the ones. Makers of such classics as Sunday Funday. Yes. And uh, the Baby Moses game. Yeah. was them, right? Yeah, and so they have a game. Their, their Legend of Zelda ripoff game was actually kind of good. Well, their, their, their Noah's Ark 3D was also kind of good because it was because Wolfenstein. Because it was Wolfenstein. Except for the utterly brainless logic of throwing nuts at animals. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you wound up playing Wolfenstein. The levels were the same. Everything was exactly the same. And it was so incredibly bootleg that... To get the game to run, you had to get another Nintendo, Super Nintendo cart, which had a legal chip in it, inserted in the top of the oh, cart, yes. and then slotted into the Super Nintendo to make it run. I assume this is where Mega Drive got the idea. I don't know. Like the, I think Sonic and Knuckles was the only cart they ever made that actually worked like that, but that was the whole point. It had a flip top lid and you plug the other game into the top of it. Is, is that a thing that happened a lot? I don't know. That is I think a thing that's that the only game that happened. It yes. happened lots? Uh, that's the only official game it happened with. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah. And it's how the things like the, the Game Genie worked. Oh, yeah, Game Genies, of course. And uh, there was a... Uh, there was a... An add-on uh, to save... To, to, sa- to do save states on the Super yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, that's a good that idea. worked in a similar fashion. I was kind of a Sega loyalist from that that period of time, but they were much more prone to annoying fucking arcade games with no saves. Those were the best, though. 
I remember how pleased I was when Sonic 3 actually had saves. I'm trying to think about games. I the, the first game I played which had saves in it that I can consciously remember. By the by, should he know a game? I just want to bring us back to that for a second because I like to contemplate the, like, fucking narrative stupidity of that. Because if you're going to make a Noah's Ark game, let's face it, there is one thing in the Noah's Ark story that is obviously a game. Actually, two. Okay, building an ark and going and catching a bunch of animals. But because the game they were making wasn't about let's make a Noah game, it was about here's a shitty port of a good game. (laughs) It's inside the ark, pointlessly enacting violence on animals. For what it's worth, I believe this... Because they had interiors. That's all they fucking had. I believe... So what you're saying is that really the best Noah's Ark game is actually Monster Hunter. (laughs) Or Pokemon. How is that not a thing that's already happened? (laughs) A shitty religious Pokemon clone? This is... Uh, Excuse me, I have played a shitty religious Pokemon clone. (laughs) Alright! Would this be in your, uh, your <laughs> no. collection of Android games? No, this, of this is a production value. Th- this is a bit of a storied one, I believe. It, it was a, it was a, it was originally a shitty tabloid ga- tablet game, but I, I played a, a, I played a shitty Pokemon clone that uh, was based on religious themes and <laughs> mythology more so, but. Okay. Well, I I, uh, I did not receive. It, I did not give it a very fair or not, it was quite fair. It was a terrible game. <laughs> I did not get a very nice review, and the developer did not like my review of it. Yeah. What? And what publicly had a bit of a tir- publicly went on a bit of a tirade about it. Okay, about developers. Here's a thing for you. Just leave it. Just leave it. Don't talk to it. Just you get that bad review. Just go, put it down. Walk away. The absolutely optimal scenario of wrestling with a pig is you beat a pig and you're covered in mud. <laughs> Not that Jeb is a pig in this scenario. I was going to say, hold on a second. <laughs> you you don't get into no. What was the old? It's the old. Look, meme there are of, only two scenarios here. One, your game is good and everyone will go. Well, that's a pointlessly hateful review. Or your game is shit. And you are going to look like the worst person ever defending your shitty shit game against a legitimate <laughs> review. Well, that's, that's that's the thing, though, is that if your game gets a bad review, if you go on a tirade about that review, it's going to affect your the public perception of your game yes. far more than any bad review is going to. You cannot win. Don't get into a fight with anyone who buys ink by the barrel. Or actually, you know, if you're a shitty game developer, do because your shitty games are an unnecessary part of this landscape and you can go away. When I Sometimes woke up, it's kind of funny. When I woke up this morning, I bothered to go looking for a different and interesting beat sound for various swears. <laughs> you don't have beat Aren't we just going to use Fox's fart take noise? away my fuck. <laughs> This is tyranny. I will not stand for it. <laughs> Censorship! <laughs> oh, dude. <clears throat> so, earliest game you played where you could consciously remember having access to saves? Uh, Dragon Warrior. Dragon Warrior? What about you, Fox? I think I... I think the very first games I ever played had saves because they were on PC rather than consoles at that point, which would have meant it was some Winnie the Pooh adventure thing. Oh, that's beautiful. Where you had to... I was... 
uh, it was basically a screen by screen point and click game, except there was no pointing and clicking. It was just you walk onto a screen and there may or may not be a dropped item. And then you have to take it and give it back to the franchise character who dropped it. But I'm pretty sure there was a save in that game. Yeah, I was, I was kind of excluding, uh, computer games in general. Because I'm pretty sure I had a few that, uh, the, the Commodore would like to save to disk on. <laughs> oh, well then it probably was Sonic 3. In my but case. But then I didn't have a console, um, until I was, I think when I was about 12 years old, my sister and I saved up for a secondhand game gear. Oh, nice. We were on the cutting edge. I had one game, but no, two games. Two games. I bought Sonic the Hedgehog. It came with Mickey Mouse and the Castle of Illusion. Uh, the Mickey Mouse and the Castle of Illusion game was better than the game. Yeah, not on a game. Hedgehog. Oh, okay. Neither of them were much chop on the Master System Game Gear versions. The, uh, the Mega Drive version of both were very good. Because I'm thinking, like, if you, if you wanted to say a, a small handful of games from that period, like really good games that are worth going back to and playing... Castle of Illusion and Sonic are both pretty decent. Yes, but everyone remembers the Mega Drive versions. Yeah. Not this the- is like Sonic 2 being such a, a well-remembered game, and it was a properly excellent game, but the Master System version is just balls in a hat. I think the thing I played the most on the Master System was Alex Kidd. You played the Master System? My cousin had one. Oh, right. So we'd visit him. And- you were allowed to play a Master System? <laughs> Oh, there's, there's such this, there's a weird thing of inoculation where if another member of the church has it and no one has successfully chased it out, then you're sort of like, <laughs> well, it's, it's like there was a serious argument of whether or not it was okay to have a PC until my dad was like, I need a PC to make sermons. Oh, well, PCs are probably okay. <laughs> I'm sure Jesus would have probably used a computer at some point. <laughs> God, it's weird. Jesus would have a massive Twitter. Especially if he was Jesus, a Jesus would actually be on weird Twitter. Jesus is actually drill. If Jesus was oh, a magical girl, Jesus would have a Tumblr. <laughs> Look, I sent that tweet out. I hope the magical girl... I, I sent that tweet out. I hope there is a magical girl Jesus Tumblr out before this podcast is recorded. <laughs> I, I really do hope that we get something out of this because you know it, it just seems. What would you call the biblical magical girl series? I I don't have a single good off the top of my head answer to that. Ah, I don't have to think about. We'll this. we'll take fan submissions for what to name. Axel, That's Axel a great idea. Apostles. Um, the problem is that as far as actually developing the video game of Jesus as a magical girl. My skill set is limited to Renpy and Twine at the moment, so chances are it would be a game where Jesus the Magical Girl... We have RPG Maker. Okay, that's an outside Which would be the perfect platform for Jesus and the Uh, Magical Girls. I I happen to have RPG Maker and Game Character Studio. I was just going to... We have a project. I was just going to make a joke about a Renpy game where Jesus chooses which disciple he wants to make his waifu, but whatever. Um... (laughs) No, 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 a Renpai game where Judas has to choose which magical girl apostle to get kiss to. Oh, because he doesn't know which one is actually Jesus because of the changing right. transformation. Ooh, and it's all set at a high school. It's always set at a high school. Always set at a high school. I'm reasonably certain that if... Academy I- of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> Gaming news? 
Does anyone know any gaming news? I don't really pay any goddamn attention to gaming news because games are too expensive for me to buy when they're new. I was just about to mention that uh, Xbox One game with go- games of gold for February February is going to include iDarb, and I am super excited to get that. I am. Okay, that's cool. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm friends with someone who was involved with the production of iDarb. Unethical. Yes, de- dreadfully unethical. This is why I own no Xboxes and don't own a copy of iDarb. You're going to make a soundbite for an unethical alarm, right? (laughs) We'll just use the one from Saints Row. But yeah, Uh, iDarb, which is kind of... Everything. (laughs) It's uh, hockey and basketball and Smash Brothers and Twitter hashtag games all matched up into one. It has a character customization which is pixel by pixel and lets you tweet your character. Yeah, I can't say it's not cool. Don't get me wrong, I like a little bit more detail, but I have to be impressed with what people have made. You get to make your own character's theme tune in the character customization. (laughs) You can customize a fanfare for whenever you score a point. So I need to come up with a way to recreate the Awesome Knots theme in iGarb when I get it. Because that is the theme that plays every time I walk into a room. That is magnificent. So Jeb has an Xbox One? Yes. Jeb is our ambassador to the land of the X-Bone. Ambassador to the land of current-gen consoles. That too. (laughs) It is a strange and scary place where I play Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. I was just going to say the new 3DS with the changeable cover plates is really great. And, uh... Ha! <laughs> that wasn't news, that was just rubbing it in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I spent my life not getting shit until Americans had played it out and found it boring. I I'm allowed to gloat about the new 3DS. I'm allowed. I was just about to say that uh I on the lines of the 3DS, I, I played the Monster Hunter 4 demo and that was the thing. What did you think? I think Monster Hunter doesn't resonate well with me. Because I don't know what's going on at all. Yeah. And I think the demo is missing the the part of Monster Hunter that I would like to experience. And that's the part where you get bits from the monster and you make new stuff from the monsters. Ah, yeah. The demo is just hunting the monsters. On an accessibility point, the argument... Well, not argument, but the, the meme that I've been told about Monster Hunter is that it requires a a great level of immersion in the game's rules. The way one reviewer rephrased it is, you will fight a monster for 30 minutes. Like, literally, actually 30 full minutes. Yes. And you won't screw up. And that's a very much endurance testing thing that not many video games do. If you play a single encounter for 30 minutes, it's usually a matter of, we're trying for six minutes, we failed. We try for six minutes, we failed. Or it's Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, true, true. But anyway. Shadow Colossus has that same same sort of investment in its encounters. That's true. Um, by the way, as far as my piece of video gaming news goes, um, Microsoft have acquired the Gears of War franchise from Epic, Epic Video Games. They didn't already own it? That was this time last year. I figure if I'm going to be about a year behind in video games in general, that's how I'll do my news. <laughs> I... I almost disappointed the All right, well, here's the, here's the deal, Talon. If you're going to do that, you are not allowed to share any news after August. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, this time last year, Assassin's Creed Liberation 
came out on the PC on Steam. Hey, that was a very good game. That was a that was a pretty good game. It was probably the best Assassin's Creed game. It's the least bad Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> you might notice everything you have to say about this. Word in there. Another, another, again, Assassin's Creed is a franchise that tends to be made up of a whole bunch of jangly parts. They don't click together as well as they want to. Assassin's Creed is probably a whole episode for discussion in it. Yeah. Though that discussion is mostly on your part in this case. Yeah. The, the discussion is Ubisoft game. Yeah. Because well, you can transition the AAA blockbuster Ubisoft game to the, uh, Ubi engine, uh, the Ubi art engine game. Yeah. And the, the, the sheer binary between them, how they managed to have these colossal, watered down, very safe, multi-million dollar raising titles year in, year out, several times a year. And then they have these riskier, smaller titles, which are stunning. You're thinking Child of Light? Child of Light, uh, Great War. Oh, yeah. All right, so here we go. We're, we're going to do a bit of a game thing here, all right? We're going to go and look at this time last year news in video games. We're going to look at some games that came out that back then. We're going to see if they've lasted in your memory one yeah, my year. My fart noise is ready. Yep. All right, so this time last year we had Assassin's Creed Liberation. Let's see if you can guess this one. It was a Kickstarter game. By a small indie studio, they've released. They already had released a multiplayer version of the game by now, but the official launch was. Yeah, Jeb. Oh, the Banner Saga. Yeah, Banner Saga. That game is fantastic, and it looks like a Don Bluth movie. Yeah. I am. I'm so saddened by Banner Saga. I well, I wish they had uh, dumped which way? system in the name of mythological accuracy thing. That's all. You could do so much with that, but one of the things they were going for was being very, you know, mythologically appropriate, and that means that women are extremely restricted. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, one of my, actually, one of my uh, friends on Twitter is from Denmark, I believe, and he was absolutely astounded by the level of authenticity it had about his 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 culture in it. Mm. So I'm in my usual position of I can't not respect that, but I'm just well fucking sick of games that marginalize women because it's realistic. Oh that's absolutely a reasonable thing to take. I was just I was just gonna say that when you said it was that it saddened you. I wasn't sure if it was because they're because of that or because there is no joy whatsoever in the banner saga. Oh, it's a, <laughs> it's a bleak fucking game. That, that is another thing, Tyler. It probably wouldn't be my kind of game for that reason. I don't really enjoy bleak games. Uh, oh, look, you've got the good ending. Everyone is just, dead. I like uh, uplifting narratives, shall we say. Actually, I've been meaning to do a great big blog rant on this, which is a thing for another time, but I, I really appreciate a well-written good ending, as it were. And I find that most times... Uh, sad endings or, or stories that are trying to be, you know, it's kind of depressing because it's all realistic and shit, I usually kind of copping out and, and taking cover behind the fact that being depressing is easier. I'm not accusing Banasaga of that. I haven't played it. I don't know. Well, just to put in context, for example, in the Banner Saga, there is no sun. Yeah. 
The, okay. The winter is so complete that it killed the gods. Ah, by Christ. It killed Black the Christ. sun. Yeah, it killed the sun. Oh, it's that endless winter. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's basically post-apocalyptic Scandinavian myth. Which is really fucking rad. All right, here's another game that came out this time last year. Pixel art. Uh-huh. PvP. Only PvP. Indie game. Sir, are you being hunted? No. More pixely. Lower res. Much lower res. Gentlemen? Oh, is this the, um... Has a name... It's kind of Minecrafty, but it's got something. Is it dust? No. Has a name that relates to the mythology that we were just talking about. Fencing. Oh, Nidhogg. 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 Which is apparently something that indie devs now do to one another. Fencing? Yeah, it's it's a really high-paced, very well-animated, monocolored sprites. It is such a beautifully animated game for something that looks like it was on the 2600. Yeah. You, You get whole zones that are four colors, five. I think four is the maximum that the palette ever goes. Yeah. I really enjoy seeing games do beautiful things with those kinds of resources. Like, well, the, being able to admire animation in particular is a really nice thing because the more the more realistic AAA games get, the worse the animation looks because that's something we've never been good at doing really. Even with motion capture, movement in 3D games is just not very realistic at all. Watching really good 2D frame-by-frame animation is highly pleasurable. Uh, earlier I was watching the Spawn for Good streams. Yeah. And I was watching some infamous Second Son First Light. And the animation in that is outstanding. Really? It is, that game is breathtakingly beautiful. The, the lighting is... How good infamous is it, the things it's trying to do? The, the, well, the lighting in it is just almost beyond description. The, in, in first, in first light, the main character, she has a nose ring. The nose ring is a reflective surface for the lighting engine. <laughs> this is like how, uh, a couple of years ago when I, when I played Infamous for a little bit at a friend's place, I remarked, this is basically the best Assassin's Creed game. Well, from what I got, gathered, uh, Infamous first, second son, first light, is what happens if you smash the good parts of Assassin's Creed with Saints Row 4. I just want to say that game has too many names. Yes. Well, it's it's like a DLC expansion pack for Second Son, so I just I it is the one, however, that stars the girls. I wish they would drop the original franchise name. They're not going to, but it'd just be cool if it was Second Son First Light. That's quite poetic. Check the infamous on the beginning; it becomes awfully unwieldy. When you look at games that tried to build for a franchise ahead of time. You tend to get embarrassing stories like Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. And when you look at games that weren't expecting, like really weren't expecting to be a franchise, you can look at Two Worlds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Continuing in the games that came out this time last year, you know, the, the retro gaming news. It's a rhythm game, which already gives away tons about it. Kick me. Theater rhythm. Weirdly, Kickbeat is one day shy of being ah. in this week. No, no, no. It's, that one with the circles. It's an iOS game. It's also on the. It's also on the 3DS. Idolmaster. Oh, uh, no, it's not that true. It has the word caper in the title. 
Rhythm Thief was on iOS. Rhythm Thief was on iOS this time last year. I was so disappointed by the graphics in that, that (laughs) it was quite fun to play, and, like, you really can't argue with punching ninjas in time to music, but it visually was really disappointing, and that bummed me out. I love... I love how the podcast so far, Fox's contribution has been, I like Fire Emblem and every other video game is disappointing. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I, I said Fire Emblem was kind of disappointing as well. Well, you have to understand that not every <laughs> game is Fire Emblem. You know what's great? Escape Go 2. Escape Go 2 is a properly great game. Disclo- I also didn't say I found Dark Souls disappointing, just that I was bad at playing it. Or uh. rather, I made choices that make other players laugh at me. Alright, now here's, here's the last piece of retro gaming news, right? It's a video game that is a port from a PS3 to, to, to Windows. Alright? It has a... Windows strictly or... Steam. Or, ah, Steam. So not Valkyria Chronicles. No, not Valkyria. That was much that later was in the year. Later, yeah. Alright? It has a very silly name. It... Revengeance! Ah. <laughs> okay, I see, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of that because it was also, you know, on like the Xbox 360 as well. Oh, well, this time last year is when it got ported to Steam and therefore became something I would know about at all. <laughs> I'm such a grunge. PS3 now? Yeah, but you yes, have played, uh, you have experienced Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance, right? Not yet, it's downloading. Like, literally, as we speak, it's downloading. Oh, right, Australian internet. Revengeance, I want to play it. Revengeance, I deeply love watching Doc Destructo tweeting the out-of-context song lyrics to Revengeance. It's got a song? It's got lots of songs. Uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is, in one definition of the term, a musical. Please, Jeb, expound. <laughs> well, the thing is, in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, they don't do nearly as much exposition dumps as they do in other Metal Gear games. Instead, what you get is your major boss, mini-boss encounters have a dynamic soundtrack to them, and as you progress through the fight, more and more lyrics and instrumentation are added to the song playing, and the lyrics give the backstory to the character that you're fighting. (laughs) How embarrassingly literal are these lyrics? I'm going to love They are fantastic. They are amazingly good. Like it uh, uh, in a good way, or in a "this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard" kind of way. Um, I would say they are generally pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna love this game so much. I I, I enjoyed listening to the soundtrack uh, just casually. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Jeez. There is nothing quite as spectacular as chopping a giant robot in half while a bunch of guitars are going on in the background. Things are exploding, and some who that particular vocalist is is just new, growling out the words "rules of nature" at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so that was going to be my next question: uh, Were these written in English? Written in Japanese and kept in Japanese, or written in Japanese and translated into English. Uh, I do believe that the they were written in English. Okay, this is going because to be they were re- written and uh, recorded by North American artists. 
I am going to have to... I, I might stream this. I want to see this. I want to see your reaction to the first boss. <laughs> this is giving me very just sort of just just edgy sort of Sonic Adventure. <laughs> oh no 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 no! This is beautiful. <laughs> Bear in mind, we've come a slight distance from Sonic Adventure when it comes to dynamic sound. In that we have no, 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 not the dynamic sound, but we've not come very far in terms of deciding that this character should have a rap theme song <laughs> written by a Japanese person in English. Fox does own a Dawson's Creek CD. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hated that show, but I do. <laughs> I did listen to the fuck out of the first soundtrack. That's what we need as well. We need a Dawson's Creek game. Oh, Why is that gosh. franchise not being brought back? Should it just be a visual novel? <laughs> I don't know. That's putting too much action into it. Somebody call Telltale. They'll make it work. I was gonna see. I was gonna suggest something that would actually work quite well for this game, but it would be. You know, I, I don't want to say it now because you guys are going to infer that I actually gave a crap about the show when I swear it was just because my sister watched it. Go on. You're in a safe space. We will not make fun. I'm on the internet. I can't guarantee you that, you won't, that we won't make fun at all. Yeah, you're around a bunch of nerds. We're going to make fun. Okay, well, look, look. The, the point of probably the show... probably more scared if we didn't make fun. ...just descended into pointless drama was that the main character was making films. Oh my goodness! He was yeah. like getting his friend characters to make awful monster movies with him, which would actually be quite a fun basis for a video game. Like you know, sort of like Pokemon Snap, except the point is to wander around the open world environment and you know catch interesting bits of footage of shit happening. And I'm surprised that with the uh, popularity of them, we don't have games which are more about getting stupid photos and stupid video footage of the random shit that happens in open worlds. It's just because Let's Play is like a clip onto every game nowadays. You don't need it to be an actual game mechanic. Look, you, you got, you've got. There's a real problem with game marketing right now, where the value of the streamer is causing disproportionate value. They're shaping how games are being not just marketed, but how the games are being designed. Speaking of which, Five Nights at Freddy's Three is in development. I know nothing about this game series. Oh, it's. Have you ever heard of Night Trap? The was. That that really old horror thing where you were like a serial killer at a slumber party. That well, is you were trying to stop the serial killers at the slumber party. Yeah, but that's the game. Were? Yeah. Wow. Every article I've ever read about that game has not felt the need to mention that part. I guess we know what people found important about it. The, the, okay. the teenage girls in lingerie? Yeah, basically. The Five Nights at Freddy's is that, but you replace the women in their underwear with uh, robot animals? Animatronic, creepy robot animals. Oh, okay. Which what? thankfully, yeah. thankfully, they decided to sexualize one of them in in Five Nights at Freddy's too. Yeah. So that. Uh, <sighs> Please tell me it's sexualized without being like anthropomorphized. <sighs> Damn. I was just hoping you were going to say it's like a, just a totally normal animatronic hippo that you know makes sexy time faces at you, jokes about it or something. In true Disney style. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. No, no, no. I can't blame. I can't blame the creator for striking while the iron is hot. But have you seen the Duke Nukem slash hatred? Oh God, stuff. I have not. It it's really strange because I don't like Duke Nukem much as a character the way he's usually presented, and hatred I couldn't give much of a thunder about. But in the context of this Tumblr fan meme, it's 
Duke is a dude who is comfortable and confident and secure in who he is, while the hatred guy is really aggressively trying to demand an identity. Uh-huh. So you get this really kind of, you know, hey, there, there, kid, it's okay, you know, you can have a hug. <laughs> it's really weirdly cute. <laughs> and it, it, That's yeah. kind of like the exact opposite of what Duke Nukem is, though. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of think Duke Nukem would make fun of the hatred guy. Well, Duke Nukem kind of is that exact person that they're describing the hatred guy as. Yeah. Though again, that's, that's one of the best. That's one of the, the better jokes in uh, mainly guys doing mainly things. Uh, yeah. An excellent, an excellent web comic that everyone should read. Yeah, yeah, even I like that, and I do not like mainly guys doing mainly <laughs> things. It is, but the, that that joke is just how desperately Duke Nukem is trying to be Duke Nukem. Yeah. And uh, I, I, Steve Holt. Steve Holt. He is. He's kind of that character, isn't he? Duke Nukem is the guy who peaked in 1995. Yeah. I mean, the guy who would throw his hands in the air and then say his own name occasionally just to make yeah. himself feel better. I'm surprised we, surprised we didn't dadify Duke Nukem. Do you know? Oh, there's your worst dad game. Do you know who they tried to get to write Duke Nukem Forever? Ken Levin? Schaefer. Yahtzee Crochel. <laughs> oh. oh, come on. That would have been excellent. And, he, and his first treatment of it was Duke is a complete joke. Duke is this really awful, ordinary, desperately mugging kind of guy. And he's not nearly as smart or as cool as he thinks he is. And all the characters around him are reacting as if it's a normal world, and Duke is this bizarre 90s anachronism. And he he sent it to the people who requested it. I don't know if it was Gearbox or 3D Rebels at the time. And their response was, this is kind of... You're kind of making fun of our character. Yeah, we want yes. him to be cool. Uh, oh, dear. Which kind of tells you everything you need to know about the direction they were going. Is there anything sad about when a parody franchise stops being in on the joke? I don't know. We'll have to ask the Sonic fandom. I didn't know that Sonic was ever a parody. He is now. He really yeah, okay, is that's now. true. But it's not like he started out that way and the reason he sucks now is because people lost sight of the fact that he was a joke. It used to be about the hedgehog, man. It used to be about going fast. It used to be pure. I'm talking about, like, GTA, which used to understand that it was a parody and now is just a hilarious self-parody. The I will say the best thing I've seen <coughs> in anything to do with Sorry. GTA V is just the subplot with Michael and his horrible family. That actually sounds like it'd be quite fun to make the whole of a game. I yeah, but but it would be a short game because you wouldn't want to put up with these characters for very long. Yeah, that's also true. They would have to actually like develop and change and become a bit likable in their horribleness. And GTA is a thing that is resisting change. Doesn't really do character development. No. GTA as a, as a whole is very much afraid of adapting, especially on the fly. Unless you consider increasing kill counts to be character development. They're really not. It's like, oh, I got a new gun. Maybe if you're playing Spec Ops. Oh, hey, that's the other thing I've been playing recently. <laughs> I, I've been playing Spec Ops. I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. It's fucking magnificent, and it actually stands up really well, unlike a lot of JRPGs. But, uh, you know, pretty much presses all my buttons, and there's a massive cast, lots of awesome women, lots of cute boys, just fucking gorgeous 2D sprite art. It That game is still amazing. Here is your horrible bookends of 2014. Yeah. Early 2014, 
the free-to-play Dungeon Keeper came out. <clears throat> End of 2014, Suikoden 2 was finally re-released. Not in Australia, by the way. Fuck PS. Wait, Suikoden 2 has been re-released? You can buy Suikoden 2 on the PSN. It came out on the, whatever they were called, huh. PS1 Classics. That would be another yep. reason to get a PlayStation TV. Once again, not for Australia, and Australians, you definitely shouldn't look into getting an American PSN account, uh, because they won't actually stop you from buying stuff as long as you can put in an American address when you register. Australians do this. The game's like $7, and it's one of the best games ever made. Play it. And, you know, you can't get a PAL copy of it for less than several hundred dollars these days. Yeah. Yeah. I know my copy was stolen, so... Oh, oh that's a kick in the dick. Wait, did you steal it? <laughs> that is a reasonable question, but no, I actually paid money for it. Oh, I'm real sorry to hear that you had your copy stolen, though. That sucks. That's a, one of the more saddening gem tales. Me, I just failed to buy it the one time I ever saw it in a video game store, and it was like $25 at the time, and I was like, ooh, those boys are cute, maybe I should buy this game. Uh, I can't really afford it, I probably shouldn't buy it without knowing. Never again! Moral is, always buy the game with the cute boys. Always buy the game with the cute boys on it. I remember very early on in our relationship, I ponied up some money so you could buy a copy of Skies of Arcadia. Mmm! Yeah, that was like half price at, at a game store for no adequately explored reason. I Uh, because the Dreamcast was dying? Oh, yeah, I forgot I got my Dreamcast, like, right before they stopped making them. And we were out in the periphery of the uh, export market? <laughs> yeah, I, I paid very little for my copy of Skies of Arcadia, and that was good times. By the way, uh, if anyone from Sega ever hears this, uh, a PC port of Skies of Arcadia would not be something that anyone on this podcast would be opposed to. Yep. I should get onto that. I should do a fucking 3DS port, but while they're at it. The resolution on that game would actually look quite nice on a tiny little 3DS screen. Then there's the 3DS XL. I am so... Ah, fuck the XL. Look. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm kind of amused because they've basically gone, eh, Americans don't want the fun version. They want the shitty boring version. But I I just hate the this thing where it's like put a bigger screen on it without increasing the resolution. That is the most pointless thing in the world to me. I hate that idea. I, I just want to know... At the start, when, I, when we were sitting down to make this podcast happen, there was a part of my mind going, am I going to be the angry one? Is that going to be my role? <laughs> it did not count on Rage Wife. Nope. I was you being kind of moderate and thoughtful. And, you know, <laughs> yes, it's like a clock. And Fox is in the background. Fuck all this fucking shit. <laughs> I said, fuck you, sir. Everything <laughs> ever is terrible. <laughs> From now on, I say fuck you. Uh, yes, you're allowed to swear, but you have to swear in a British way. Fuck that. Buggering bollocks. <laughs> I say that's a load of thundering cockshite. <laughs> All right, then. Also, I'm not sure about these Americans. <laughs> okay, so until next time, that's been Talon. That's been Jeb. And that's been Fox. Stay tuned next week when we do a segment called Cockfails. I'm a 
right fucking genius I am. <laughs> you swearing rules? I can play by the rules. <laughs> <laughs>